Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. In his holy habitation, God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. God's will for every single human being is that you will belong to a family, but it shouldn't just be a family. It should be a victorious family. He says God is a father of the fatherless, and he's a defender of widows, and he sets the solitary. Those who are scattered, those who are not sure where they belong. He sets, sets, sets means fixing permanently like concrete. He sets the solitary in families. So that's what God is doing right now on this series, setting the solitary in families. One more verse then I'll get out of here. Proverbs 24, 3 to 4 says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. This verse, I believe, does not apply to only buildings called houses. It's talking about a family, the oikos, the household. How is it built? Through wisdom. The difference between the family you are experiencing now and the family you could experience is simply a wisdom gap. And I invite you in these next four Sundays starting today to sit at the feet of Jesus, take in the word like Mary and establish your family on a firm ground called the wisdom of God so that your experience may be different going forward. I invite you again to Victoria's families. Over to the Oculos. Good morning. It's good to see you all. Good morning, viewers. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> my name is Emmanuel. This is my beautiful and lovely one and only wife, Angela. We've been married 10 years this year, December. Yeah. We've got two children, and we're so excited to be here. We are very passionate about this subject of marriage and victory in families. So this is a good day for us to start this off. We shall be looking at all manner of victory in our families. And so we cannot wait to connect with you guys starting today because we're going to have a blast. Yeah. Feel free to ask questions towards the end yep. because we'll be available to answer those questions. And today we are very, very, very honored to start this off with one of the most passionate, one of the most victorious, one of the most commendable, one of the most excellent families yeah, that we have in our environment. Story. Yes, with yes. an incredible story. Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to host today Pastor Moses and Pastor Asara Mukisa as our Sarah guests Mukisa. for this morning. Please give them a hand to welcome them. Hi, hi, Moses and Ari, as they like to be called. Hi. You are welcome, welcome, welcome. So tell us, introduce yourself. How long have you been married? How many children do you have? Tell us, tell us. This is Mose. I am Ari. Mm -hmm. We've been married 17 years. <laughs> we have three children, Paula, Angela, Kirk, David. They are watching and listening right now. We send you greetings. Yeah, Kitty Town crew. Yes. We see you, we see you. You see us, you see us. We love you, we love you. You're the best. Yes. Mm. Hey, okay. That was <laughs> That's fine. So 17 years is a short time. Yeah. So you, you don't have much to talk oh, wow. about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When we grow up. We want to be just, up, yeah. When we grow up. Mm. So you guys, when people are getting married, they have these expectations. Mm -hmm. Over what? I wake up in the morning, I had my expectations. 
that I'm going to wake up in the morning, cook up a storm over what? Then I'll enter the Mercedes Benz. Then they'll take me. Russia, Russia. I have a money pedi. Then I'll be in love all the time. Anyway, we have expectations when you get married. I'm sure you guys had expectations. What are your expectations? Were there any surprises? Both good and bad. Talk to us. I had very many expectations. I'll talk about only two. One, I'm a reader of novels, so I had this expectation that would be on honeymoon the whole time, would be going on holidays. Milk and meals and boons. Like, yes, meals and boons. <laughs> and I like, you the whole time. Riding horses on the plane. Yes! Holding each other's Holding hands. hands. Into the sunset. Looking at Woo! each other's eyes and dreamily. loving one another dreamily. Feeling on love. <laughs> <laughs> I get in and life is normal. You wake up in the morning and life is normal. You see your friend as in normal life. Like how you would live in a family. So that was one thing that surprised me. The second, which was a good thing, is that you become a part of this person's family. Mm. I became a part of Moses' family. Mm. Yeah. And if, if it wasn't for the way we look, you, you would think I'm more in the family than he is because Bambi. Yes, Shout out to family. Moses' family. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. family. Moses, did you have any expectations? Uh, I'm not sure you want mine. I know. <laughs> now we want the one we want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, children are watching. Uh, yeah, I have the expectation that... Let's put a tick on that one. <laughs> no, yeah, but seriously, you know, everyone has the expectations. And as a young man, uh, uh, with uh, warm-blooded, you get me, you are like, finally, finally. Finally. And then, and then... License to kill. Yeah, license to kill. <laughs> yeah, totally. You have the driving license. And then you think you will be able to drive any and all times. Yeah, yeah. And then it occurs to you, no, Bambi, that's not how it works. That was a little bit of a surprise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we've since worked it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> driving. No, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh. Let them was ears to hear, hear. But I'm just saying. Okay. So you guys have had the opportunity to share a little bit of your story, and uh, it's been a very interesting journey for you with ups and downs, and you've always talked about the first three years of your marriage, how it was, you know, now with all the expectations not being met. Just tell us a little bit about that story. No, no you're first. You tell the stories, I make the points. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, so... We get into the marriage uh, with all these expectations, without a proper training. By the way, please get counseling before you get married. Because somehow we think that, you know, yeah, we think we know. You, you see, people go to school all those years to study chemistry, math, physics, I don't know, whatever, to do a job. But you think, uh, when it comes to marriage, you're like, I, I have the equipment, I've checked, it works. I think we are good to go. <laughs> No, it doesn't work like that. You need a lot of counsel and preparation. So we didn't get adequately prepared, mm. so we didn't really uh, know. So what, what ends up happening is that you end up having a lot of demands of the other person because you're thinking they are the problem. You're thinking they are going to change. And it's because you haven't considered the fact that all these years you've grown up in a different environment with a different culture, different... Uh, behaviors, and this person has grown up in a different environment, and it's like when two streams are meeting, uh -huh. when two rivers meet, they call it a confluence. Yes. Yes. Usually there's going to be some rough white water at the point of confluence. Yes. And the point is that because most people don't expect it, they think that the rivers will continue being calm and collected even when they meet, which doesn't happen. It's really a, usually an issue of not knowing that that's going to happen. Yeah. And so you start making up your mind about the other person, how they are the wrong person. Mm -hmm. It is so you move into what I would call a demand-based marriage, mm -hmm. where all you do is you're demanding performance from the other person, mm -hmm. and they are demanding performance from you. Mm -hmm. 
I think uh, Halley, F. Willard Halley, they, they call it withdrawal. You're withdrawing from the account. Imagine that your marriage is a, a joint love account. And all, both of you, all you're doing is withdraw, withdraw. The socks are in the wrong place. That's a withdrawal. Why is the fork under the bed? That's a withdrawal. Ah, uh, you ate garlic. That's a withdrawal. Uh, <laughs> everything is a withdrawal. The money is not enough. This is a burnt offering. That's a withdrawal. So you make so many withdrawals, and she's making withdrawals. And then one day, you both go to the account, and the, uh, the bank, the love bank says, insufficient funds. You can't withdraw anymore. And now you get into debt. And now, yeah. what was a beautiful uh, the wedding made in heaven and the marriage looks like it's from hell. So I think that's a bit of what happened. And for us, we didn't know that every time you're criticizing the other person, asking them to perform, uh, demanding, it's a withdrawal. It's literally like a withdrawal. Yeah. yeah. Your demands have set them up for failure. Yeah. Exactly. There's an expectation of them. Yeah. yeah. So you've just set them up to fail. Yeah. You are waiting to mark the failure. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 Other times you don't even know that's what you're doing. It's not like you're being mean or anything. Yeah. No, before I got married, I thought I was the kindest, most <laughs> loving, most patient, most generous human being on the planet. And lo and behold, I was given an opportunity right here <laughs> to try it out, and I was found wanting. Many, many took it. Anyway. <laughs> Marriage is the <laughs> yes. I, I know that you had at one point you talk about the fact that you had thought of divorce, but now you've started a church. What it's not, and I know that Ari, for you, you said you said something about divorce, you had made a decision. Can you say something about that? Like he has described, the marriage was really bad, we were sad. But for me, divorce was not an option. Like mm -hmm. you know, when you know that you're not going there, so we are going to work on this thing. Yes, it may yes. take long, it may be painful, we may be sad for really, really long, but divorce is a no-no. Mm. So when it's not an option, it's not even, you don't even think about yes. it, you don't consider it, yeah. So what happened, you guys? You've been married 17 years. We were in your space that time of the highs and lows, and we were sort of like, okay, you know, you're the first people. I think the first couple, in in the in, 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 in means we said that had gotten married. Anyway, what happened? What happened after the three years? What is it that has, you know, apart from deciding that divorce is not a decision? Because you're happy now. We can see that you're happy now, and then we saw that you are not happy. That you are not happy, my gosh. But now you're happy. What happened? Now, before we answer that question, we want people online to know that you can ask questions yes. on Facebook and yeah. YouTube, yeah. and we'll, we'll make an effort to answer some of your questions. So mm. just ask those questions on Facebook and YouTube, and then we'll be able to answer some of those questions. Yes, do you want to go first about you, what happened? You go first. After 17 years, this still happens. You go first, you go first, you go first, you go first. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen when you're driving. You go first. You know you go first. Please continue. <laughs> anyway, so what happened is in uh, 2006, March, no, April, we started Worship Harvest Ministries. Yeah. The exact kind of thing not to do when your marriage is on the rocks. <laughs> There's a difference between marriage on the rock and marriage on the rocks. Yeah. Please, it's just an S. But, so, we, we felt God is calling us to start this church and we started. And, uh, so miracle of miracles, uh, yeah. I think it was June of the same year, June of the same year, a man called John Cato, JK, came and joined us and introduced us to the discipleship evangelism course by Andrew Womack and Don Crow. Yeah. And in the discipleship evangelism course, we, we started understanding the love of God, how much God loves us. And the fact that God 
does not treat us based on our failures, but rather he treats us based on his love for us. And we were in the class together, I think some of, some of yes. the guys who are around were, yes. were there. Yes. It was such a revolutionary thing that we were all arguing at the time because yeah. having grown up up to that point with the mentality, the understanding that, you know, God is good when you're good. Yeah. And when you're bad, he's going to get a good baseball bat and then you'll get one which has extension so that however far you run, it will catch you. Elastic. Elastic. Yes. Then he will show you and teach you a lesson. Just that discovery that, what, you mean God loves me in spite of me? You know, now we talk about it and it sounds so normal to a lot of people. Yeah. For us, it wasn't. It was, it was mind-wrecking. Yes. Like, we really... Yes. If they hadn't set up that course in a way that you had to read the verses yourself yes. to yes. answer the questions, mm. we would never have believed it. Yes. Now, what happened is that without knowing, without intention, just continuing to do the course, we discovered one day, it was you not know, like most changes like that. You don't know you're changing until it occurs to you. How come we are not fighting about anything? Yeah. How come we are not stressed? You know, it was a real, like, eh, eh, we are not fighting. No one is accusing any other of not yeah. doing this right or not doing that right. That's when it occurred to me that the word of God had taken root in our hearts. Mm -hmm. We had started to receive the love of God, and we are starting to pass it on to one another. Yes. A lot of Christians love God. They try to love God but the majority of Christians don't know how to receive yeah. love from God. Love from God. Yes. And that's why we are so incapacitated when it comes to loving, because mm. it says, beloved, love one another. The love, mm. business of loving one another is for those who know they are loved. Totally. True. Totally. And I wish I could tell you that I have arrived, mm. but I can tell you every single day, every single week, there is a temptation to rely on your own performance and ah, goodness other yes, than the love of God. Yes, yes. And so the life of a believer who is married mm -hmm. is a life of constant repentance yeah. from self-righteousness and good works and relying on God. Especially yeah. when you work in church like us. Yeah. The pressure is on to look a certain way, to be spiritual, way. act a certain way. It, yes. It's on. And the temptation is always there to forget that everything is by grace. There is nothing we have that we deserve. Mm -hmm. It's because of his goodness. So for me, that was really the game changer mm -hmm. and something else that Ari will talk about. Yes. Around the same time, we joined a group called Fireplace, which was a group of married people. Yeah. And we found people laughing and talking about really serious things that had <laughs> happened to them. And it was a bit shocking because we thought we had some really big problems. And mm. then we found out People have People bigger have problems, problems and, and then they, they are, are laughing, laughing about, about them. them. And that right. really changed our perspective. Yes. 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 So you, it was the, the, the okay. issue of community. Yes. That yes. you found yourself in a community where people were able to exercise the same grace that you are experiencing yes. towards each other. Yes. Yes. And then you realize that it is actually possible yes. that despite our differences, despite our anger and all that, it is still possible to exercise grace because we have seen it. You know, in church, it's very possible to be in the space and they tell you, do this do that, but until you actually see it working out there yep. amongst sure. people, it mm. still remains a theory. Yeah. So thank you, thank you very much for that. One, one of the things you said it once, Mose, and it's just before we got married, and we went and talked about it, and it has been like a big foundation for our marriages, don't put expectations on each other. I remember going back and thinking, is it it's possible? Not possible, how? Is it possible not to put expectations on a person? But that thing will list us because it's that thing of if I'm the one being stressed about the socks, I'm the one who's stressed. Move the Fix socks. It. Mm. Fix the thing that's stressing you. If Emma comes home and the dishes are stressing him, me, they're not stressing me. That's why they're there. <laughs> <laughs> if they are stressing you, go and wash the Fix dishes. It. No, yes, no, it buy disposables. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> buy disposable yes. Buy disposable plates or find, there's another thing you also said, if you can't do it yourself, pay someone to do it. I mean, yeah. like all the expectations that we put on ourselves. Yeah. Guys, if you have questions, there's a this question. This is the time. This is, this is the time. 
um, as we find as we find questions, Mozen, Ari, are there things that are unforgivable? Like I've had when I got into marriages, like if Eva ever does this thing to me, I'm walking. Mm. Are there thing? are there things oh, that you, are there? What things? You've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you did, <laughs> I know better. I'm older and wiser. <laughs> yes, yes. Are there things that are? Do you think there are things that are unforgivable? You start. I think I would say that because God loved us and forgave us of our big fat sins, there shouldn't be something that Jose does to me that I'll say, this one, I'll never forgive him. Because God found me when I was in a really bad state and mm. he forgave mm. me. So I, I, there's nothing that's unforgivable. They, uh, yes. I, I think, uh, so first of all, there are two sides to that unforgiving coin. Yes. Uh, one, I would say, uh, and I will say this, then I will say the other thing, then I will say the other thing. <laughs> I will say that, wow. one, for most people, for all of life to succeed in any endeavor in life, the decision must be made at the beginning what the end will be. Yeah. Yeah, like if you consider divorce in your mind, it's going to be on the table. Yeah. You just have to decide that's not on the table. Yeah. Because look, if you're trusting God, if you're trusting God and you're going to walk by faith and then you have that on the table, then you're not walking by faith. Yeah. <coughs> Having said that is to say, are there things that are not forgivable? Absolutely not. But it's easier for me to say because there are things I've not gone through. Yeah. that other people have gone through. Yeah. 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 I've not experienced the pain of infidelity. Mm. Neither has she. Mm. Other people have experienced that. Yeah. So it's easy for us to talk for them mm. because we haven't experienced it. Yeah. But this is what I believe happens. That no matter what happens, the person, like you can be here and think that certain things will never happen to you. Yeah. And then one day it happens. And guess what happens? God somehow in his wisdom gives you the grace. Mm, 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 he gives mm. you the divine enablement. Mm. The thing that you can't carry yourself. Because those are, this, they never even think about it. That For me, this, when he does that, so when she mm. does that, that will be the end of the game. No. You haven't tasted the fullness of God's grace. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that every person experiences as much grace as the difficulty or yes. as the need for that grace yes. there is. Yes. If a person who has experienced infidelity, I believe God gives grace, grace for that. Through that as well. We know that there are people who have lost children yes. on the hands of other people. Someone murders someone's child and they find it within themselves to forgive that person and to even minister to them. And in some cases, they have even adopted those children into yes. their own families. Yes. Now, for you, you'll be like, I can't do that. You, you're saying it because you, you have, there's, you, there's no need for you to experience that grace because yes. you haven't gone into that space. Yes. Yeah. But whatever space that you go into, God will provide the grace. That's mm -hmm. what I can say. That's a very powerful message on grace right there. Yeah. Mm. That God will always provide the grace that is sufficient for us to go through anything that comes our way. Yeah. There's a question here. It says, um, when a person loves the other too much and the weighing scale is unbalanced, mm. <laughs> what do you do? My God. Yeah. My God. Mm. Yeah, that's a question from YouTube. We're going to mm. check on Facebook. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Uh, when a person loves the other too much and the wing scale is unbalanced, what do you do? You keep loving True. too much. <laughs> the Bible says that, know you not that it is the goodness of God that, that leads us to repentance. repentance. Yes. The only way the other person will ever repent is for you to continue loving them. Yeah. That's why grace buffers people. Yeah. Because the Bible says that grace of God has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and unworldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. He says that you are not under the law. Sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law but under yeah. grace. So people don't know that when you start playing tit for tat, you've taken away yeah. every power possible for the person to repent. Yeah. That's why Jesus told that woman, uh, who, 
where are, are these your accusers? And she said, they are nowhere. He says, neither do I, I condemn you. you. Go and sin no more. The capacity, the ability to go and sin no more is in the lack of condemnation. Mm. So as long as there is condemnation, the yeah. devil still has power over the person mm -hmm. and over you and your heart and motives towards them. Yeah. And you are truly only free and powerful when you cut that code of expectation yeah. yes. and put all the expectation on God. Because look, it's only God who can change the hearts yeah. of people. Yes. I don't even know why we tried. Yeah. <laughs> it's useless. Yes. Like we tried, like yeah. for real, three yeah. years, mega trying. The more we did it, the worse it became. The more, until one day I sat in my sitting room in Weogedere and cried mm. by myself without anyone touching me. Like tears. You know, like a dube song, big boys don't cry. That's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Wait, has you ever cried in Gatiba Kuteko? That was me. <laughs> but the goodness of God leads to repentance. So the more, yeah. if the, it's in balance, Love more. Keep the love keep it, going. Keep it unbalanced. Yeah, yeah. keep it unbalanced. Yeah. You answer something. No, you've answered the question so well. Look at that! Look at that! Cheerida. Aha. So there's, so there's. This we want to go home. Okay. Let's there's this question on Facebook. Not many questions are coming from Facebook, so I'm going to read that one question from Facebook and go back to YouTube. What's more important, work or marriage? Behavior. Hmm. Mm. Isn't wow. marriage work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Let me take the burden out from Harry to answer that question. Uh, both. Yeah. Yeah, T.F. Eka says in his book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, uh, rich people think both, poor people think either, either or. or. So what's more important? Both. both. Look, yeah. try and get married to someone who does not have work, especially yeah. if you're a lady and they're a guy. No work and no income. Yeah. You, you're going to be stressed. Yeah. You pray to God for that job. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and yes. then when the but job comes, you're like, but I don't I see don't you anymore. See you. <laughs> Look, what's more important? Both. Both. I think what kills us is this dichotomic kind of living. It's as if we live in that two-dimensional cartoon world. Mm -hmm. Forget it. Well, life doesn't work like that, of this or that. Opposition or government. No. It's Work both. or marriage. It's both. Yeah, spiritual things or natural things. That doesn't work, exist in God's world. It's both. The point is prioritizing mm. how you lay up the priority. Because when you're married, you can, you can change jobs, but you can't change spouses. Yeah. You can change jobs, but you can't change children. Yes. yes. So... Prioritize and figure out. Uh, yeah, that's why we are teaching grace. Like yeah. once you've prioritized, everything is alright. I remember hearing something from Doctor D, Doctor mm. Dennis. Said yes. He said that um, the idea that we should live a balanced life is a myth. Yeah. That a little bit here and a little bit there. He says that where you are is where you put your heart. Yes. If you're at work, be at work. 100%. If you're at home, be at home. Yeah. 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 It's so that when you get home, leave work aside. When you, you guys, I think people, you know, when you're when you're dating, I mean, everything is so romanticized, mills and boons. You actually, because when you're dating, when you're spending time together, you can go a whole day without eating food. But look, eh, that day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, you're not eating food because marriage. You, I mean, <laughs> you need money. The marriage is not going to work if your rent is not getting paid. Yes. Okay, so it's a thing of you. You live. Yeah. yeah. So, someone said about this lockdown season yeah. that uh, uh, they said we are uh, working. Uh, it was supposed to be work from home, but then it became work moved into home. We <laughs> <laughs> yes. are supposed to work from home, but now work Not moved to home. Yeah. No, yeah. we no. He said we are supposed to be working from home, but now we live at work. <laughs> It's so true. be careful about yeah. how you handle that. There, there are more questions coming in. Um, some will just quickly. Yeah, how do I not transfer work stress to my partner at home? Just don't. Um, really, don't transfer the stress. Um, there's a question. Oh, you can talk about it yeah. so that they become a support system. 
It's true. Yeah, they, you can talk about it in a way where they, they may want to support you. Some people, are, your grumpy, they're asking you, what's up? Nothing. Like, nothing. nothing. No, that doesn't help. Communicate, say, this has happened at work. What? It's really weighing me down. And that will actually increase your bond yeah. Yeah. when the person is able to empathize with you. Yeah. So that now they know it's time to bring Katunda and Bambi. Bambi, now they are really going through, as opposed to you are not communicative. So I would rather you share than try and build that wall of work is work, home is home. Uh -huh. there's, there's also that thing of trying to, uh, what does my husband do at work? Like sort of be involved. Don't think, eh, those are your things, these are yeah. my things. Uh -huh. You know, like create the space for, and also be interested in what your spouse does. Because uh -huh. I think for some people, because yeah. I'm not showing interest, I then start, so let's say I'm the wife, I'm not showing interest, and all I'm asking for is kameza. Of course, stress is going to come home, yeah. because as soon as you walk through the day, you're like, tomatoes. And the guy is like, what's wrong? There's <laughs> many brown cheese. There's many brown cheese. transfers. I heard somebody say um, that what bosses should be aware of is that when you hire somebody and they are married, you have inadvertently hired their spouse. Yeah. Because whatever happens to them is going to happen at home, to their spouse, and whatever happens to their spouse is going to happen to them, it's and will affect them yeah. at your workplace. Yes. So I'm going to ask. I don't know. No, go, go ahead. Let me ask two questions, and you answer them. How do you not put expectations on your partner? Is it by setting expectations for yourself and delivering in the hope that your partner will do so in the do so in the end, and everything is sorted? So one, how do you not put expectations on your partner? Another one, is there a time or case for separation or divorce at all? Wow! Wow! <laughs> yeah, the gloves have come how off. How do you not put expectations? I, I want to highly recommend to you a book called Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. Yeah. I'll say that again, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. In this book, he says, the only person you can control on a good day, <laughs> on a good day, is yourself. You know, the, the most, if you want to be stressed in a marriage, like, for you, stress is your thing. And even compromise the length of your life. Yes. <laughs> eh? Shorten it. Eh, shorten it. Put your expectations on another person. Yes, like, yes. expect someone else to fulfill you. Yes. You're going to be stressed, I yes. guarantee you. Yeah. Because the other person is on a journey. Yeah. And you may find that when you got married, cutting, me, I may have been driving at 170 kph in terms of how I think life, etc. Then this one comes with her 70 kph. <laughs> like actual cars. No, not actual cars, <laughs> mentally speaking. Oh, okay. In life, you know? Like, some people are moving so fast in life. Yes, Other understand. people prefer a slightly slower pace. Yeah. Then you hook these two vehicles together. Imagine yeah. two rockets. One is at that space. Then, and then you have to start finding a compromise speed. Yeah. Yeah. That is grace. Yeah. That is grace. So you're going to be stressed. Is there a place for divorce and separation? Can I just yes. answer a little bit? Beautiful. Liz, of course, you're so this, I would say you go in to give. Go Don't in I thinking, do. what can I give? How can I improve this person? Yeah. How can I be their best cheerleader? How can I appreciate them? Mm -hmm. How can I let, let me give this person to the point that they'll even be embarrassed. If yeah. you go in with that and that's your focus, you won't be thinking about your spouse, how to change them, what you're not getting. If you go in with the attitude of I'm going in to give yeah. and be Jesus to this person like they've never seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just using your analogy of the two cars, that the 70 kph, no matter what they do, they are never going to reach 170. Yeah. They will, but it will take a long yes. time. And so for you to put the expectation on them to move from 70 to, to 170 in two weeks, it, it doesn't That's work. after the honeymoon. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
what you can do is as the 170 you have the ability to step on the brake yeah. and slow down to meet them where they are yes yeah. so this one starts speeding up a bit as you slow down yeah, but each one in his own car yeah, and then once that the, you're connected, then you start picking up speed yes. together yes. as you grow together. Wonderful. Yeah. Here's the thing I, I learned from Sam Mukabi, uh, from the man from Masaka. Uh, you know how he tells his stories? He used not to bathe. Yes, for <laughs> many years. For, 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 for 14 years. He started bathing <laughs> regularly in the 14th year of his marriage. <laughs> and now they've been married, what, 21 years or something? And so... He says, now, if the wife had quit in the 13th year, <laughs> after enduring 13 years of a man who doesn't bathe regularly, yeah. you quit in the 13th year, Kumbe in the 14th year is when you're going to get a man who bathes regularly. Yeah. You would have lost out on the opportunity. Yeah. So for me, my case against divorce and separation is this. You're divorcing or separating based on an incident. Or even a series. It's incident-based, whether a series of incidents or mm -hmm. an incident. Yeah. And you're not looking at the long journey. You don't know that that person has capacity to change and you'll end up with the best spouse you could ever yeah. have wanted in this life. Yeah. And it's the same one you got married to. Yeah. 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 So the point is, every time you chuck someone, you lose the opportunity for future communion. Yes. But if you stick it out, then the person has opportunity to change. Yes. Uh, uh, so for me, I don't know. Because most times people jump quickly to that separation and divorce thing when they haven't explored other ideas. Yeah. Maybe let's say worst case scenario, the person is violent. They are beating their wife yes, at please, home. Please, please talk into that because yeah. many questions have come in on domestic violence. Yeah, yes. domestic violence. Engage community. Mm -hmm. And this is what... Also, here's the thing. And it may be late for some people, but first of all, how did you get married? Some people, they get married without involving anyone. Yeah. You yeah. think, I'm mature, I it's my decision, yeah. you get in. Mm. Then when things are bad, then you're like, hey, uncle, pastor, sister, auntie, singer. Mm. Well, did you go consult all of them? So I find that most people who face these challenges, they did not seek godly counsel. They were not submitted to godly counsel in the first place. But here is the thing. You can always redeem the situation. Yeah. Totally. Find godly counsel before you jump to that issue. Mm -hmm. If the person is being violent, have you shared with other people? Because also don't suffer in silence. Don't yes. be there and say it's so embarrassing how mm -hmm. people even find out. Submission being submitted. No, that's not submission. You're being submitted to the devil. Yes. Be because Jesus is not violent. Yes, he no. said that uh, you should be submitted to your husband because he's like Christ in your life. If your husband is not behaving like Christ, you shouldn't submit to abuse. Be submissive to the husband, not to abuse. Yeah. Yes. We need to separate the two things. Yes. The person and, and their the actions action. are mm. different. Mm. So deal with their actions. Yeah. You say, I, I really love you, I'm submitted to you, but this... Me, I'm a child of God. Yeah. So let's go talk to the pastor. Let's talk to our fireplace leader. Let's talk to your mother. Le yes. Talk. Don't yeah. be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because otherwise we are not comparing apples and apples here sometimes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. So there's actually someone you're watching and you think you've been taught by submission and you've even been said, told in Luganda something about yeah. What? And, and, and yes. Yeah. And you've said first the pain stick there, and God is saying that is not His best story for you. Was then Ari final question, and then just find any words of advice before we hand back to you. You've talked about withdrawals from the from the love bank. How do you deposit into the love bank, and then any final words from you guys? Maybe we could do it, uh, you could tell when you felt like I was making yes, a deposit totally. to you. I love that. And when maybe I felt you were making a deposit to me. Ah, I love this, guys, because <laughs> I <is> so deep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mose is always making lots of deposits in my life. When was the latest? Um, Mose, oh. Yeah. Oh. Nah, <laughs> 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 
cut, cut to commercial, cut to commercial, cut to commercial. It's not PG, it's not PG, no. Just the other day he was like, you know, have this money, go and use it for anything. Yeah, I'm like, Yo, you know those things. Just go and spoil yourself. Don't use it on things which are like tomatoes, onions, what? No, just ice cream. Yes, and he's always doing that. So most I appreciate you. Another air shake. That's all. Shaking a good Maybe something else. That's Even different. <laughs> something else that's different. Another thing is Mose affirms me a lot. He'll yes. say, I see this in you. Go do this. You're always it's pushing me to be child great. Child in English, because now I'm so excited I've gone to Uganda. What has he said? So, recently, maybe last, recently, he was encouraging me about counseling and how I love to listen to people and telling me, go for it, go do it. Yes. You thrive in that, you're strong in that, go and do it. And he's always been pushing me to build on my strengths. Oh. So awesome. It's, it's, it's how beautiful. does Ari, uh, when do I deposit? Deposits, deposits. Mm. Uh, let me start with a big elephant in the room uh, for most married couples. Praise the Lord. Uh, take it for granted based on research and uh, uh, personal experience and the experience of many friends I've talked to plus my own counseling that for men, physical intimacy is extremely important. Extreme. So, uh, ladies, yeah. if you start rationing physical <laughs> intimacy, I'll just use that word physical intimacy for yeah. the sake of those who may not understand. If you start rationing that You've started your, your journey to a slippery slope to an intensive frustration of the other party. Yeah. Okay. That's so. how he brings his work stress home. <laughs> 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 so that's important. Uh, how, how else does Ari... So, so we don't have a problem in that area. Hey, Thanks. Well done. In, in our lives. It's, well it's done. never a thing of... A headache, to do what? I'm tired. No. So, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know there are some things that other people may not feel free to talk about that I take responsibility as your pastor to talk about. I think she works out. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, also, apart from rationing, you can also decide, okay, we will cook, but only boiled. Boil, 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 boil. Vamo, boil. Yeah. Take a more aromat. Okay, the other way in which I really feel Ari, you know, makes deposits is affirming me in yes. what I do. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the thing is, people may assume that because you're Mose, you do all these things, you lead worship harvest, you lead these businesses, it is that you have ongoing constant self-belief like Donald Trump. No. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I get discouraged. I doubt myself a lot of the times. Many times I wonder if I'm even doing the right thing, but she's always there to tell me that, that you're doing this well or you're doing that well, and I think that is a really a big thing. So, yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Wow. We're going to hand back over to Mose to close this up. There have been lots and lots and lots and lots of questions. Yep. We've not been able to answer them. Hopefully, we'll be able to answer some during the week. Next week, we'll be back. Yep. And since it's a series, some of these questions are going to come up again mm. in the next few weeks, and therefore, we'll be able to give you some answers to them. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing your hearts with us. Mm. It's been a pleasure being here with you and hosting such a wonderful couple. Thank you, Mose and Ari, for sharing your lives with us this morning. Over to you, Pastor Mose. Thank you, thank you so much. The Akulos and the Mukisas. Now, a different personality. Uh, <laughs> for that incredible interview. 
uh, I, I hope you, you are feeling blessed. Uh, you're, I know you're blessed. Like, this, this is what you need. This is what you need to know. Uh, successful families and marriages are founded on the grace of God, as you've heard our own stories. Give me Ephesians 5. I'm just going to take maybe a couple of minutes, share something quick, and then we will uh, close the service. So, I heard this from Tim Keller. And for me, this is the best description of the gospel I've ever heard. Tim Keller, pastor in New York. He says, this is the gospel. The gospel is this. You are more sinful than you'll ever admit. You are more sinful than you'll ever admit, and yet at the same time, you are more loved than you'll ever fathom. You are more sinful than you'll ever admit, and yet you are more loved than you'll ever fathom. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Like, no one, no single human being is going to admit the gravity of their sinfulness. And yet, at the same time, you need to know that God loves you much more than your sin. Much more than your sin. And that's the gospel. And it's on that foundation of, that, of the gospel that marriage is built. Even in marriage, you're more sinful than you'll ever admit. That's why you have arguments. It's, you call it a difference of opinion. It's because you are refusing to admit your level of sinfulness. And yet, at the same time, you are more loved than you'll ever fathom. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Just as is the one I'm going to stress there. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. How did Christ love the church? With everything. Christ didn't love the church when the church was getting it right. Christ loved the church before the church ever got it right. That's how we husbands are called to love our wives. Now the point is this. If you don't understand grace and you think that Christ uh, beats the church to teach it a lesson, puts people in accidents to teach them a lesson, gives people sickness to teach them a lesson, guess how you're going to love your wife? The exact same way. The exact same way is how you're going to love your wife. You're going to love your wife conditionally. You're going to be throwing all these hoops before her to prove herself because that's what you think. You think that's how Christ loves the church. The way Christ loves the church is what we call unconditional love. Love that is not conditioned on any conduct. So, just as Christ also loved the church and, says, and gave himself for her. I'm going to share maybe two, three important things here and then we'll close. We, also, we are going to be praying for you, by the way. This is, marriage is divine. And you've tried it in your own effort and it hasn't worked. And I'm sure there's enough anointing right here for you to see your marriage mended. So he says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. How does he sanctify and cleanse her? Washing of water by the word. Washing of water by the word. That's how he sanctifies and cleanses her. Christ sanctifies and cleanses the church using the words that he speaks over her. Now, that's a clue to all husbands. That's how you sanctify and cleanse your wife. The words you speak over her. If you call your wife stupid, you're going to end up with a stupid wife. Especially if she, if she, if she believes you. In most cases, she's going to believe you. If whatever it is you're calling your spouse is what you're going to get. See what he says in John chapter 15, verse 3. John 15, 3. John 15, 3, Jesus looking at his disciples says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Why are you clean? The word which I have spoken to you. 
You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. You are not clean because of anything else apart from the word which I have spoken to you. It's the word spoken that cleanses the church. It's the word spoken that cleanses the church. Look at John 6.63. John 6.63 says that the, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Proverbs 18.20 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and whoever loves it will eat of its fruit. Whatever you are speaking over your spouse is what you're going to get. Whatever you're going to speak over your spouse is what you're going to get. Just know that. Just understand that. So he says that, by washing of the water by the word, he says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. He's done who present her to himself, presents her to himself. I like to say that the wife you married on the wedding day was the handiwork of her parents. The wife you have now is your own handiwork. Look what you have done. I'll say that again. The wife you got on your wedding day was the work of her parents. The wife you have now is your own work. Look what you have done. Take me quickly to verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. There is a process there. I'm not going to it because it's not the main point for today, but there is a leaving. Mommy's boys don't make great husbands. A man shall leave, leave. That means you're leaving behind your culture, your way of thinking, your way of doing things, and you'll be joined to your wife. And the two shall become one flesh. There's a process. You leave, departure, you get joined or cleave, and then you become one flesh. Nowadays, people don't even know who the person is. They are becoming one flesh. They only find out in the morning who they became one flesh with. <laughs> Just because everyone is doing it doesn't make it right. There's a reason the enemy is attacking families. Because the family unit is God's plan for the redemption of the planet. God didn't plant a company in Eden. He planted a family. And all these culture wars are aimed at destroying the family unit. Let me tell you, I had this from Chris Hodges and it made so much sense. The biggest culture wars in the Western world, they are starting to creep into Uganda, but they are largely in America and Europe, are around three things. Marriage and divorce, that one, sorry, in some parts, it's a lost cause already. Homosexuality and abortion. Do you know that all those three are aimed at breaking the be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth? As long as you have those three things, you can't fulfill God's number one command to humanity. Be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. So I want you to understand we are part of a much bigger cosmic battle than just your marriage and what you want and what you don't want. Amen. And the two shall become one flesh. And he says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Seems like I only went for the husbands today. And the wives may be walking scot-free, but you'll have your day. <laughs> but I had this one time, and it made so much sense to me. Because this, this scripture uh, of uh, 
this, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is not the first time it appears. It appears in the Gospels when Jesus is teaching about marriage, and there, it appears even earlier. And this is how I heard someone once explain it. And it made so much sense to me in terms of grace. This is not my original uh, revelation, but I'm going to bring it to you, and you have to feel, figure out how to get it. In fact, I'm going to invite Ari and the Oculos to come, and let's see how this works as I explain this particular revelation. Okay? So, okay, um, they are coming quickly. Hallelujah. waiting for Ari to come. They will give her a handheld microphone. That handheld microphone. Can someone help me take this thing away? So let's imagine this is God. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> this is Adam and Eve. He says, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And says he's talking about Christ and the church. Now I want you to watch what happens in the Garden of Eden. Eve, here, and Adam have been told, do not touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you touch of it, you touch it, you shall surely die. Okay? So, if goes ahead and touches the tree, touch, find the tree. Pick fruit, eat. So she eats. And then says she gave to her husband who was with her. Give. Now I'm going to make the point. At this point, Eve is in trouble. Yeah. Eve has sinned against the Lord. Adam has not. And so Eve can be banished out of the garden and Adam will stay. So Adam knowing well, Adam here be representing Christ, that the church, the church are sinners, they've touched the fruit, they are, they, are, they are done, but I'm here, I can stay with my father in heaven, oh. and uh, life goes on. I leave my father and mother. Oh. And, and go and be joined to her, and say, it is the fruit you've eaten, sin, give fruit, it to me. The fruit we have eaten. Mm. And he eats. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for, to us. Become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. Adam in hope ate that fruit saying, knowing that someday God rede will redeem them both as opposed to taking the selfish place of I'm okay, you are not. Wow. And that's what Christ did. He didn't have to do it. He comes, that's why he says, I speak concerning Christ and the church. Yes. He comes and becomes one with us in, in that sin thing. And dies our death for us on the cross. And, is and when he's resurrected, now there's hope. So that story there in Genesis is very prophetic. I'm talking about the redemption of Christ over humanity and the church for this cause. That, that's, that's why marriage is grace-based. It's you looking at the other person's sin and owning it. Yeah. And trusting God to supply the resources yeah. Yeah. to correct it. To supply the resurrection. So, I hope you have understood that. Married people.
Wow. That's deep. So this business of they have done this, they have done that, it does not work. You cannot succeed. Look, Adam had, Adam knew he had, he had to believe that God will right that wrong. But he had to be one with her even when she was in sin and he wasn't. He, he had to eat it and wait for the judgment. That's what Christ has done for us and that's how he asks us to love our wives. So, Amen. Amen. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.